ShotGlassDigital.com. Geek Out Loud is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash geekout. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player of your choice. Audibletrial.com slash geekout. Help us out, guys. Come on. Come on, help us out. On this episode of Geek Out Loud, we're going to clear out the mailbag, we're going to pass the corn, and we're going to do it all in the background of a little dance party happening. It's a Geek Out Loud dance party on your safe place to geek out. This is the Geek Out Loud Podcast. go serious business why is it taking so long here we go Yes, sir. That means one thing. It's it's the thing that no one's requested for in a long time. It's a Geek Out Loud dance party. We're doing this because I need the energy that a dance party brings, and we need the fun that a dance party brings. Not but not well, you know what? It's always fun, but we're just gonna spice it up a little bit tonight on Geek Out Loud. For those of you listening live, I expect you to be dancing if you're in the chat with us. If uh, you're listening via the podcast feed. I forget who it was, but a long time ago when we did this, back in the early days of gold, we got an email from a dude who was painting uh, a bathroom, and uh, his wife walked in on him while he was, like, getting his groove on, (laughs) painting it up. So, welcome to Geek Out Loud, everyone. My name's Steve Glosson. So glad to be along with you. And on this episode, we are definitely going to clear out the mailbag. We've got Eric Schernevice. Got to get my brother from another mother's name right, Eric Schernevice. I'm just gonna Eric Glosson. Let's just I'm just gonna bring him into my family. He didn't ask for it, and my family doesn't know. But I'm gonna single-handedly vote him in. Eric Glosson coming by and uh, gonna hang out with us. We're gonna do a little pass the corn and look ahead at what's coming up in June for the rest of the month of June and uh, bust it out and uh, all kinds of good things going on. Before we get into it, though. Want to say thanks to everyone who uses the Amazon links to uh, do all your Amazon shopping. You can find those at geekoutonline.com and geekoutpodcast.com. When you use those links and you end up purchasing something from the Amazon, it helps us out 
Uh, we have all kinds of different costs that go along with us. Mixler charges us now. Of course, there's hosting fees and all sorts of other things. And the Amazon links are what provides us the ability to do that. Really, right now, Amazon's keeping us live. And we appreciate them for doing that. As well as you keeping us live, I want to say, a, oh, listener, thank you so much for your support of the Goaliverse directly through patreon.com slash geekoutloud. You can head over to patreon.com slash geekoutloud and support at the level that you're comfortable with. Every single supporter got a little surprise this past week in their Patreon inbox. So if you're not used to getting the exclusive podcast and you got an email, it's not a podcast. I apologize for what I sent you, but I felt like you guys needed it before it drops, if it ever does drop, on Rebel Force Radio. Our featured supporter this week, Kevin Wang. On a lonely mountain in Washington State, Kevin found a screwdriver. Not a superpower, just a fun story. Kevin can fix anything, no matter how broken it may be. He can also build any machine he can imagine, quickly, like those Lego video games. So criminals take heed. You could be on the receiving end of one of his clever criminal catchers. My words, not his. Because no real hero would ever say, Beware my clever criminal catcher! Kevin Wang, our featured supporter on this episode of Geek Out Loud. He's, he's our featured supporter on the dance party. Everyone bust a move! Uh-oh. Here we go. Yeah. That's right. It's time for a little past the corn as we look ahead to the movies that are going to be released this month, the month of June. And to help us do that, as always, my brother from another mother, the great Eric Schoenweiss. What's going on, man? My brother from another mother. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I had a dog get into my trash can tonight. Okay. Yeah. Um, had a you know we have a little trash can by the road so that people can come by and pick it up. And as I as I got home. It was overturned with the dog rummaging through it. Unfortunately, I caught him in the early stages of it, so I picked everything up and you know put the trash can up, and it's got a little strap you can strap it down. Well, a while ago, I'm doing show prep, and I hit, there's a knock upon my door, and no one ever knocks on my door. And People, it was the dog. No, it was a lady saying there was a dog out here, and I look, and just all across the backyard, just a line of trash. Ugh. Uh, I was so ticked off. You gotta lock that trash down, man. I did lock it down. The dog was like, <laughs> it's locked down. This means it's like those raccoons from yeah. the great outdoors. Well, bears up here. Yeah, well, did you ever see the great outdoors? Sure you did with John Candy, Dan yeah. Aykroyd. Yeah. Those raccoons that were like, once they put the rocks on the lids, they're like, oh, they're amateurs. You <laughs> sure it wasn't a raccoon? Yeah, I saw the... You mistook I, a really ugly dog for a raccoon. Well, it was a, it would have been a large, large raccoon then. Because this dog was quite big. But he, bless his heart, like, 
Here's the thing. I'm not angry with the dog. I'm angry with his owner. He has a collar and everything, but you can count the poor dog's bones. He just looks undernourished. And I'm like, if I would, and he, and you know, if he filled out a little bit, he'd be a pretty dog. But maybe, I, maybe the owner is your nemesis, and he's secretly been training the dog to tear apart your trash. Let me tell you for something. For years, and tonight was the first night that he finally got to unleash the dog on you and exact his revenge. Well, I tell you what, if the if the owner wasn't my nemesis before, he, he is, is now. now. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, dude, you've been, uh, have you been conning? You were out in Phoenix? I was out in Phoenix, yeah. It's uh, quiet before the storm now, a few weeks before San Diego. And yeah. then uh, and then that's kind of it until New York Comic Con in October. But oh, Phoenix okay. was great. Yeah, were some people passing the corn with you or anything? Some people, uh, I got some pass the corns out there. The, go li- the, the Geek Out Loud crew. Wow. Representing in Phoenix. That's awesome. I didn't yeah. know we had listeners in Phoenix. You, you clearly do. It wasn't those Wampas Lair guys, was it? No, no. Okay. But uh, it, it, I get a kick out of anytime somebody yells past the corn because my coworkers just look at me like, what is going <laughs> on with this? <laughs> well, it just, what, let me tell you what it is. it is. It's almost like a secret society. And it's a cool society. That's, that's what I'm talking about. It, when you when you get in, when you tell, when you see Arish at a at a convention at the old Del Rey booth, and you holler past the corn, um, then then what he knows is you're a Goliverse, you're a guardian of the Goliverse, and you're all about the geek out loud, and you uh, you immediately have a bond. So yeah, well, it not only passed the corn, but I get this one's for Steve too. Oh, nice, nice. So I think that that's just something that's just going to live on in <laughs> eternity now. Well, no. Hey, after this coming weekend, there's going to be some This One's for Erich. Yeah, I need some This One's for Erich. I'm, I'm, I'm going to definitely be a little, little hollowness in my soul this weekend. Well, with, I, uh, I know all you guys down there at Star Wars Weekends with the big Rebel Force Radio meetup. I'm going to be trying. I'm going to try to make sure that I repay you as much as I can for all the this one's for Steve from Celebration. Cool. And, uh, and get you as much this one's for Eric. Now, Teresa tried to hone in on this, by the way. I just want to let you know. Uh, she wants a this one's for Teresa? She, wa- she wants this one's for E.T., Eric and Teresa. And I, and I feel like, no. I don't know if she's listening right now. But I'm just saying, I feel like she's trying to hone in on our thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> boys club <laughs> it's a brother from another mother club that's, that's right it is. that's right so all right well man let's get into these movies from the month of june or for hey, the month right, of june and before we get into june we got some it looks like some breaking news here oh that i think is right up both our alleys well let's hear it uh paul feig who is uh working on the all-female cast ghostbusters yes tweeted uh a picture of uh of, oh, I can't think of his name now. The guy who plays Thor, uh, uh, Chris Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth, yeah. Tweeted a photo of him with simply saying, "Our receptionist." Hashtag, who you gonna call? No way. Yeah, isn't that awesome? That's great. I'm looking at it right now. Those those dreamy blue eyes. That's great. Oh, let me tell you, I have said that for for this Ghostbusters. To me, I think it'd be perfect if they just did full-on, you know, the gender reversal on every single part and just have the same old script and just, you know, 
fix the fix the pronouns where they need to be fixed. <laughs> I would see that. I mean, I think that'd be hilarious. And you know, update the car, update the sets, and everything. Do whatever no, you need. No, to. no, you don't update the car. Well, not the car, but you know, Ecto One is perfect the way it is. Have the uh, you know, do the proton packs however you want to do them. You know, yep. with the technology there, do the graphics however you want to do them. You know, but I think you go straight down. You know, everything else script-wise is just the same with just the gender roles reversed. Yeah. And um, listen, that honestly, there I know there's been a lot of outcry about it. My problem was always they're remaking Ghostbusters, not not that it's going to be a female cast. In fact, the people they have are hilarious. Yeah, I think the cast is amazing. So I, I don't see how anyone couldn't be looking forward to uh to what's going to be happening with that ghostbusters movie especially now that's hilarious i mean like that in itself that chris hemsworth is going to be the receptionist is awesome well and there's so many different ways that he could play this and it would still be funny you know he could be the the cool calm guy or he could be the nerdy kind of guy or you know like the annie potts was in the original one you know almost any way that i see him playing this i see it being funny Oh sure, sure. Well, and you you have to you have to imagine that they're going to do the thing. In my mind, immediately now, there's a montage of them uh, going to interview receptionist, and he shows up, and they're just all like, "You got the job." Yeah, you know. Um, but yeah, I, Melissa McCarthy and Kristen Wiig are hilarious. I have yep. I have a crush on Kristen Wiig, and I'm not ashamed to say it. Um, I think you and many of us, my yeah. friend. Kate McKinnon, Cecily Strong, both from Saturday Night Live. Kate McKinnon especially is hilarious yep. on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, so, she steals just about any scene that yep. she's in. So it's I'm I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be great, but that's a couple of years down the road or a year down the road, isn't it? I think it's next summer. Yeah, so right around this time. Yep. You know, we'll be, as, we'll as passing the corn on this one in a year. I was going to say, as as we say down south, Lord willing, we'll be passing the corn then. So, <laughs> <laughs> but dude, Friday's a big day, man. Big day, Jurassic World. Have we heard any early buzz on this? Um, I saw. See, I tend to not read reviews right. before a movie is released, especially if it's a movie that I already know I want to see. Sure. But uh, I noticed that Entertainment Weekly posted their review today, and I, I just glanced to see what letter grade they gave it. They gave it a B plus. Okay, all right. Um, Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, I checked that tonight before we went on, and it's only around seventy one percent. Okay. If you Mad Max is at ninety eight percent, just right. as a comparison. Well, listen, I've not heard the first bad thing about Fury Road. No. No, and actually, it's not that Jurassic World is getting is necessarily getting bad reviews. Here's here's. Uh, oh wait, where did it go? It's just there. Um, it it's that the original Jurassic Park set the bar so sure. high. Yes. Yeah. Here here's the, the critics' consensus on the Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, Jurassic World can't match the original for sheer inventiveness and impact, mm -hmm. but it works in its own right as an entertaining ah, pop-up. Oh my gosh! As an entertaining and visually dazzling popcorn thriller. Well, there you go. And ninety-nine percent want to see it. Yeah. So I mean, that's not a bad review. No, it's not just at all. That you know, it, 
you're replacing Babe Ruth in the lineup. Indeed. It well, yeah, and listen, you're never I don't know when the next time we'll get that I maybe I kinda got it when BB eight rolled out on stage at celebration. Yeah. But I don't know when we'll ever get that amazement at movies because because technology has come so far to the point where, you know, the the CGI aspects and and everything are are it was so new then to see a T Rex running and and, yep. and to see all those dinosaurs. But you know, to, <laughs> <laughs> like the little animated dude. That's right. Um, um, the scene in the original one where they, you know, the welcome to Jurassic yes, Park scene, yes. just. Sam Neill's face with his jaw on the floor, yep. seeing all the dinosaurs out there. That was all of us in the movie yep. theater at that exact sure. same time. And so, so yeah, you'll definitely never get that. I, I like the fact they said inventiveness. You'll never get that again. Yeah. Um, you know, as long as the story's good, the action's fun, the more dinosaurs, the better. You know? And it looks like this one's jam-packed. Yeah. Um, and so, and, and obviously it's going to be one of those things that keeps you on. I mean, the trailer's got me on the edge of, uh, edge of my seat, just with those, yeah. just with those two kids in the sphere and the big mega dinosaur poking its cloth. Oh, there's a, there's an incredibly creepy trailer. I don't know if it was a TV spot or a trailer with the little dinosaur, like with the, with the genetically modified one hatching. Oh, I haven't seen that. Oh my gosh. And there's... it's. Oh, sorry. It's just creepy because, like, you know, it, it pokes its little claw out, and then all you really see is its eye, and, it, and it's doing that slow piano music version, you know, that one note each, that kind of like pecking out on a piano, the, right. the Jurassic Park theme, yeah. while it has just kind of, uh, it, it plays a clip here or there in between the cracking of the egg, and mm-hmm. it, but it's all done real slow, and then there's, like, lines, you know, played underneath the theme where, where there's lines from the movie, and it just ends with that, little dinosaur looking out of the egg and you just hear Bryce Dallas Howard saying, run! <laughs> There's another creepy one that kind of starts off almost like an ad for like Disney World or whatever, talking about this wonderful new park where yes. the whole family is going to have a blast and then it's like the park is open and then the video kind of crackles a little bit. It's like the park is open. And the video crackles a little bit and it says again the park is open and like the the image on the screen is all breaking apart and stuff and then it just cuts to like all the dino chaos that ensues Uh, people getting like picked up by you know flying dinosaurs and a t-rex it looked like was like bucking somebody off the back of it and just craziness now um with how did you feel about the follow-ups the other two follow-ups of jurassic park well I, i actually have uh Jurassic Park 2 on right now. Yeah. It's on uh, sci-fi. Okay. Uh, I, I love the first half of it. Mm-hmm. But it, yes. You know, once, once they get to L.A. Ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of silly. Well, and they do stuff. They play stuff for jokes, like the like the Japanese crew yeah. you know, running around and stuff. And it's just like, don't do that. Don't yep. play, you know. It'd be funny if this were a send-up, but this isn't supposed to be a send-up of anything. Just, you know, play it. just play it all straight. It's bad enough as it is. But I'm I'm like you. The first half, I absolutely dig. What do you think of the third one? I love the. Third I love absolutely. This is why we're Joe Johnson, baby. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I I think the third one was just a great, mm-hmm. uh, you know, return to even though you know what we saw in the first one. You know, and they finally got the pterodactyls in there and the in the big giant bird cage and and the and smart kid. Yes. Yeah. And you know who 
takes care of himself out there. And, yeah, I really dug it. We, you had the pterodactyls with that cool aviary. Yes, yeah. Just a lot of coolness. I really dug the third one. So I'm I'm just excited to be going back into this into this world, into this yeah. universe where, where, you know, where dinosaurs exist now. And, and it's like, I, I, and, and I like the fact that no one's learned, you know, it's, no. it's like, it's like no one ever learns and, <laughs> and you wouldn't. The arrogance of man thing. That's right. You know, they, we, uh, NBC showed Jurassic Park Friday night. Mm-hmm. They turned it, they turned it into a big three hour thing. Of know? course they, had, they did. They had Spielberg introduce it. They had Chris Pratt, like doing little, funny i'm chris pratt and i'm funny and quirky like things during the commercials and stuff and basically the whole thing was a promo for jurassic world but the fun bit about it and i hadn't planned on watching it i just I'm like oh, i'll just watch this for a few minutes but then i realized like oh, so many people were live tweeting during it mm-hmm. that it just turned into this big huge we love jurassic park community thing and so, you know, we were tweeting about our favorite scenes and cracking jokes and stuff. And one of the things that I tweeted was, I hope that in Jurassic World, they learn to use round door handles yeah. on all the doors <laughs> so that the raptors couldn't open them up. Yes, yes. Um, I always love the, the meme because in the, uh, in, the, in the credits of Jurassic Park, there's the name that's the dinosaur supervisor. Right and the and the meme takes that shot of that one credit and and says well you really screwed that one up you had or it says like you had one job <laughs> and uh, and and the guy who did that let me see if I can pull this up here real quick Phil Tippett I actually saw him um, one time he tweeted back he's like you have no idea what I went through you know that kind of like he got in on the joke and um, and so I dude I love. I love that. I love the world. I love the concept, and um, it was Jurassic Park. The first one was really, you know, I was in high school when it came out, and so it was kind of like the first. It was to me, it was like the first real good blockbuster since since the Star Wars had gone away. I mean, there'd been a lot of things come and go, a lot of different franchises and all, but there was something special about that first Jurassic Park. Yeah. That, you know that just captured everyone's imagination. So I'm looking forward to Friday uh, for that. And well, you uh, know what's crazy is Spielberg put that out and Schindler's List in the same year. Yeah, wow. I mean, and that talk about two ends of the spectrum. Yeah, man, wow. But and it just it holds up so well today. That T-Rex scene, yes, is yep. as awesome to watch today mm-hmm. as it was the first time that I saw it. Yeah, yep. Well, and and I think it was kind of the Jaws situation where, you know, they were limited at the time by their technology. So they're using the animatronic dinosaur, they're using the animatronic T-Rex, along with doing the, the computer graphic stuff. So, and it ended up just blending perfectly. But those Stan Winston life-size dinosaurs yes. were amazing. Outstanding. Fantastic. Just how, I mean, how much life they got out of those things. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Really cool. Yeah. So, this is, I think, this is arguably the big gun for the month. Agreed. I mean, there, there's one other one that we're going to get to on the list here that mm-hmm. will give it a run for its money, but I think that certainly this weekend it's going to own the box office. Sure, of course, of course. Well, uh, the next next Friday night, uh, June 19th, it's Inside Out, Pixar's latest entry. 
Into, yeah, this is the other big films. gun. For yeah, them. yeah. Um, you got uh, Amy Poehler, Bill Hader, who I love, Mindy Calling, and Lewis Black voicing the emotions in a little girl's head. Um, I'll read the synopsis to put in here real quick. Emotions run wild in the mind of a little girl who is uprooted from her peaceful life in the Midwest and forced to move to San Francisco in this Pixar adventure from director Pete Docter, uh, who did Up and Monsters, Inc. Young Riley was perfectly content with her life when her father landed a new job in San Francisco and the family moved across the country. Now, as Riley prepare, uh, prepares to navigate a new city and attend a new school, her emotional headquarters becomes a hotbed of activity. As Joy, the voice of Amy Poehler, attempts to keep Riley feeling happy and positive about the move, other emotions like fear, voiced by Bill Hader, and anger, voiced by Lewis Black, disgust, voiced by Mindy Kaling, and sadness, voiced by Phyllis Smith, make the transition a bit more complicated. So... Um, this one's kind of a, it's a, it's a interesting concept for a, for a movie. It, Pixar continues to kind of be original with what they're doing. I, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about this one. Mm-hmm. This one just, uh, it, it hasn't grasped me the way right. a lot of the other Pixar movies have. Sure. But that said, I learned with Ratatouille and with Up to never doubt Pixar. Right, right. Well, um... What is it? What is it? Let me ask you a weird question. What's your least favorite Pixar movie? I think Cars 2. Okay. I've not seen Cars 2. I love the first Cars, but the second one, I just think they 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 wanted to do like a James Bond sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think they just really missed the mark with it. It was just really big and bloated and got away from the sweet, simple story they had with the first one. Okay. I see. I've not seen the second one. It's sitting on my DVD shelf. I just I haven't taken the time to sit down and watch it. But Ratatouille is one that always surprises me. Whenever it happens to be on, or whenever I I watch it, I'm always surprised that oh yeah, I do like this movie a lot. Yeah. Uh, even with the creepiness of the, all the rats running into the kitchen at that one point. Uh, it's one of the few that I didn't see in the theater. Right. And I regretted it when I did see it that I didn't see it in the theater. It's just, it's a beautiful movie, but the story is really good. The characters are fantastic. It's just really a fantastic film. But my thing was, this is a movie about rats in the kitchen. That's like (laughs) next to a cockroach. That's the last (laughs) thing you want to see. I think you'd rather see a cockroach than a rat, sir. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it, uh, but, But um, with, with Inside Out, for me, it's, you know, you mentioned, that they're how original their movies are and this just feels this feels very cliche to me really well you cast lewis black as anger (laughs) i mean really how hard did you have to think on for that Uh, there's nothing original there i mean the guy's basically written a book on anger you know you're not thinking outside the box at all and you're kind of messing up his shtick because with the paycheck he gets from this movie it's going to be hard for him to be angry yeah he's not going to be able to be the, to be angry about anything that's right anymore. that's right well i don't know i mean you know it's it obviously it it's it's a little on the nose casting him but at the same time you know and the tra- the first trailer they had where you know they're sitting at the dinner table and the mom's like you know yapping away and the dad is off some you know his mind is off somewhere else it's like oh god we've seen this a million times before yeah i just i don't know yeah but it's it's the taking it into the head like to me i feel like what's going the central the central location is going to be inside this little girl um 
So, you know, and that's going to be to me, what turns all that stuff on its head is, is to watch the interaction of these, of these emotions. What's going to be interesting to me is to see, does joy ever get sad? Exactly. Yeah. Is sadness ever happy? Emotions change at all. Right. Because that's to me, that's the ticket is like, can you write these things to be completely, completely in the fullest sense of the word one dimensional? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I think it would. I, I think it's going to be interesting. That I've I've liked the trailers I've seen. I don't. I'm like you in the sense that, you know, I've learned not to count Pixar out. But this is probably one. Of course, with all these kids' movies, a lot of times I wait until they're on video to watch them. I just. Don't, and I gotta I, say, I hope I'm completely wrong. I hope the movie is brilliant and fun and is something that you want to watch over and over again. I, I love what Pixar has done from the very beginning. Um, I, I love all of the effort and time that they put into their movies. So, you know, I, I don't ever want to see a Pixar movie not work. Yeah, I agreed. Agreed. Uh, you know, and they've built up a lot of goodwill, you know, because like, like I said, what, when I asked what's your, fa- what's your least favorite, you know, you said Cars 2, and, and, but that didn't destroy them. And because that's a common answer for a lot of people um, is Cars and Cars 2, even though I don't have a problem with Cars at all. Uh, but that one, what some people may consider a misstep did not continue. Right. You know, so I, I think that speaks volumes for what's going on on there. And I mean, I'm sorry, who would have thought that Toy Story 3 would be the most human movie to come out that year? Oh, I know. You know, and let's not even talk Toy Story God, 3. I cried like a baby. <laughs> let's, let's just move on. June, <laughs> Friday, June 26th. <laughs> I've not heard of this movie coming out on the 26th, Max. Oh, the commercials have been playing on TV like left and right for it. Yeah. I think this could be a a surprise hit. Really? Yeah. I think it was probably made for very little money. Yeah. But it's it's definitely a family-friendly movie. I mean, the, the tagline for it is best friend, hero, marine. Nope. And they're talking about a German shepherd. Nope. You know, it's uh, it, the synopsis for it is a military dog from Afghanistan is adopted by his late handler's grieving family in the U.S., where his close bond with the soldier's brother leads to a life-altering revelation in this family-friendly adventure. Nope, nope. That dog's going to end up dying. I'm not <laughs> going to see this movie. I can't put myself through that I, kind of no, stuff. No, I don't, I don't think the dog's going <laughs> to die in this. this. This isn't an old yeller. Okay, thing. all right. Well, you know, I'm just saying, these these things usually end up being the old tearjerkers. I do think it's going to be a tearjerker, but I think it's going to be... I think it's going to be one of those movies that, like, you know, you can take the whole family, grandma, right. parents, kids, and go see this and know that you're going to get a wholesome family film out of it. And you're probably going to feel good walking out of the theater, even though you may have shed some tears along the way. Who? Uh, this is a Warner Brothers movie I'm looking at and seeing. Um, this is just, I don't know. Uh, it feels like a movie that would normally be released in the fall. You know, um, a family-friendly kind of heartwarming movie about a dog doesn't seem like a... I don't think it's going to come out and do $100 million right. the first weekend, but I think it's going to be one of those movies that's going to, for a few weeks in a row, it's probably going to tick away like 10 to $20 million each week and be in the top five. 
and like have some legs and some staying power, particularly if it gets good word of mouth the first weekend. Mm -hmm. If it gets good reviews and the, and the, the audience scores are good for it, it could stick around. All right, dude. Here's the reason I'm not going to go see this movie. I've got the trailer playing in the background. <laughs> it shows the funeral and the dog getting away from the one handler to get up to the coffin, and he just lays down. Yeah. The, mm -mm, I'm not watching that. You you can't make me see this movie. This, this is about the dog healing as well as the family healing. You can't make me watch this movie. <laughs> You're not. No, sir. No, sir. But see, you're having an emotional reaction to it already. I know. It's ridiculous. And that's why I think this is one of those movies that's just going to grip people. Um, Lauren Graham, who I love, is in this movie. And Thomas Hayden Church. Thomas Hayden Church, who is who outstanding. Yes. Um, it is, yeah, it just looks like, uh, looks like good family-friendly entertainment, you know, with a, with a heartwarming story. From the director of Remember the Titans. Mm. Which I love, too. The producer of Marley and Me. Now, I watched. I was forced to watch this movie a while back. Marley um, and Me? No. Uh, I, I can't remember what it was called. It's, it has Richard Richard Gere, and he basically adopts this dog. Yeah. And I, it, I forget the title, but I know what movie you're oh talking about. Oh, my gosh. About. And it follows, him to, it follows him to the train every day. I want to call. I want to say like Milo and me or something like that. Yeah, it's anyhow. And, and Richard Gere dies while he's at work and never comes home, and the dog can't understand it. So the dog goes back to the train station every day to wait on him. <laughs> oh my gosh, what? Why would people? Why do people make these movies? It's ridiculous. Mm -mm. Don't you're, you're killing me here, Max? But so <laughs> if you want to, if you want a good crowd, Hachi, a dog's tale is what it was called. Thank oh, you, okay. Admiral, in the chat. Um, Dang, Cletus. So, anyhow, um, moving right along here uh, to to uh, also on the twenty sixth of June, uh, Ted two <laughs> sequel to Ted one. That's right. <laughs> which, which, quite frankly, I mean, like, I can't on a family friendly podcast suggest Ted, but if you're a grown up and you like grown up humor, I feel like you might enjoy Ted. Um, <laughs> You know, it's it's uh, uh, Seth MacFarlane, so it's it's that Family Guy kind of humor, yep. and if for nothing else than the Flash Gordon jokes. Yes, and I did look it up on uh, IMDb, and Sam Jones is in. This yes! Movie. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that was such a so funny. Mark Wahlberg playing against a teddy bear—you can't beat that. Oh, uh, such good stuff. So. Um, yeah, it's not going to rock the world or change the world, but, uh, no. but if you're in for some crass humor, uh, you probably will want to check that out. I'm well, and everybody in Boston is going to go see it because Tom Brady's in it. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, deflator himself. Um, yeah. I'm really excited about this and I wish I was around somewhere where they were doing this. They're bringing Jaws back to the big screen this month. Uh, the 21st and 24th of this month for its 40th anniversary. Two showings, one showing each day. The the Sunday showing is in the afternoon, and the other one, I believe, is a Tuesday or Thursday night or something, and that's an evening show. Man, I would love to see Jaws on the big screen. Yeah, so would I. That is just, I don't know, I don't know where they're doing this thing, um, but I just I can guarantee you there's nowhere near me where it's happening. Really? 
<coughs> you never know. If you go to fathomevents.com, mm-hmm. they'll have it on there. You can look up to see if it's playing in your city. You can buy tickets through there. Um, Fathom is the, the company that does the, the special kind of pay-per-view sort of events in the movie theaters. Mm-hmm. So they'll do like, you know, an evening from the Met Opera House or, uh, excuse me, uh, motivational speeches from this person or that person or whatever. You know, they instead of going to see a, a movie at 8 o'clock, you go to your local theater and Fathom has, you know, arranged at 8 o'clock to have whatever it is that they're doing. Right. Play there. So this it's them who's uh, putting this out with Turner Classic Movies and Universal Pictures. Oh, my Lanta, this is happening over in Savannah. So there you go, brother. I may I may go to this. I wonder how much tickets are. I don't think they're that expensive. I'm about to you find know, out. You know, and it's... Look, I was five when Jaws hit the movie theaters. You sure. probably weren't even born no, yet. No, I wasn't. Um, I've never had a chance to see this on a big screen. So it, it, it's definitely something that I'm going to look into checking out. That's awesome. Uh, oh, well, 14 bucks. That's not bad. Yeah. That's great. Man, I may I may have to think about this. I may very well do this thing. I, this is one of my favorite movies of all time. I just absolutely love this movie. Jaws is it is it is a I've got it on Blu-ray and and I try not to watch it during the summer because I know at some point during the summer I'm going to end up at the beach. Yeah. So <laughs> So, but um but it is so good. I mean, just not even the shark stuff, but you know, uh, just the character stuff that goes on. I love know. the stuff with the three guys on the boat. Of course, you yes. Know, the, the Indianapolis story, the trading stories about their war wounds and stuff, the all this, the barrel chase, things like that. Yep. And I, it's one of John Williams' best scores. Mm-hmm. No, everybody just thinks it's a dun, no. Dun, there's so much more to it. That that's like the most boring part of the score. Well, what's it's it's interesting because like it goes from this beautiful, you know, undersea kind of you know magical ethereal music to that horror of the Jaws theme and back and forth. I mean, it's just it's 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 so his score. Of course, it's John Williams for crying out loud, but yeah. it's it's. Its simplicity is its beauty, but at the same time, there's so much more too. As you said, the the two note motif is is the most boring part of the whole thing. But, um, and and just the just the quotability of it, you know, and and the different things that happen throughout the movie. And you know, I I, I heard a comedian one time talk about uh, being sick, and he felt like you know that scene where the he was he was so sick to his stomach he felt like that scene where they cut off the cut, cut open the shark in jaws. <laughs> the name of my fantasy football team is Little Kittener Boy. And I, oh wow, wow! When that woman comes up and just slaps him, you know, like you knew about this, yeah. you knew about this, you know. Oh, um, came up from Southern Waters. That's right. That, that's the thing. The comedian's like, I was so sick. He said I, I felt like it was that scene in Jaws where they cut the shark open. He's like, a license plate fell out of me. <laughs> When was I in Mississippi? <laughs> um, 
<laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's I would love I you know just having never had the opportunity to see it on the big screen. Would exactly. Love, the first Jaws movie I remember coming out on the big screen was Jaws 3D. Oh, you poor and, thing. Well, I, of course I was too young. My parents wouldn't take me to go see Jaws 3D. But it came out around the same time as something else that was playing um, in theaters. And uh, I'm not sure exactly what. It was either, because I remember the theater it, it was in, um, 1983, so it must have been Superman 3. We went to see Superman 3, and coming out there was a showing of Jaws 3, so I peeked in. And of course, you know, you couldn't really make anything out. It was all in 3D. But, right. Um I've since, I, I have since seen that movie, and, and it really makes me sad. I didn't get around to seeing Jaws until I was much, much older. Um, basically because when I was, oh, I must have been around 10, mm -hmm. and Jaws 2 was on, like, you know, ABC one Sunday night during the summer or whatever, and, you know, my dad had it on. And just the scene where the shark swims up and basically just swallows that teenage girl whole. Yes. You know, she's swimming towards the boat and the little boy sits there and watches it. That just freaked me out. Mm -hmm. I'm like, he just swallowed her. Like, what? <laughs> well, I, it, like, forget going in the swimming pool. Yep. Forget going to the beach. Yeah, no. It wasn't happening after that. It, so I couldn't watch any of the Jaws stuff for years. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until... I think it was when I was, you know, studying film at NYU or whatever that I finally got around to watching the original Jaws, and I'm like, this movie is not scary. This movie is like just this fantastic like adventure film. Yeah, well, it, you know, Jaws two. When I whenever I watch Jaws two, I still have to kind of pull my feet up as close to me as I can. Yeah, because they do all those underwater shots. Of the kids like just hitting the water, you know, on that swing and dangling in and coming back out and. And it just, oh my gosh. I'm like, he's about to snatch a leg because Jaws don't give a duke. Yeah, if I'm at the beach like, and I'm in the, in the surf, if I can't touch the bottom, I have gone too far out. Well, I mean, that's everybody. <laughs> that's everybody. But, yeah, but I, no, it's because I'm thinking that shark is going to come up from underneath me. That's right. And then shows like Air Jaws where that's actually how they attack you coming up from underneath you like that has only proven my theory correct so. well i uh, listen the, I, here, where you will never find steve swimming off the coast of uh of, of johannesburg swimming off the coast of south africa down there around uh the cape horn or whatever because that's where the air jaws are but see the irony of it is one of my bucket list things is to go down in a shark cage you know there are aquariums for that true you know and and so i and and my thing is is I've, I've grown up at the beach i'm not scared to go out in the ocean water i'm not one of these people like oh, something will get you i but I, I have no desire i feel like when sharks look at me they're seeing all you can eat yeah and, and me so too. so they're they're just you know i was like there's no sense and there's no sense in throwing bacon in front of a rabid dog you know yeah, you just they, don't they, do if a shark got me it wouldn't need to eat again for like a month or That's, two <laughs> You see, like the film of them when, like the when they're gorging on like a dead whale that's floating, and yes. like they get like all blubber drunk off of it. Yeah, that would be. Yep. They, they feel that way after eating me. Uh, we should do. A, we should go into a shark cage together, <laughs> and then just flip off the sharks so they can't get to us. Just just sit there the entire time with at least one middle finger up. 
Oh. <laughs> I think the sharks would just circle around us and laugh at the two of us. <laughs> they wouldn't even bother eating. They'd just be like, look at these two clowns. Look at these guys. <laughs> well, that I think that wraps us up, man. July is going to be huge. So Yeah, July so strap is in. bonkers. And uh, now, when is Comic Con? Comic Con is uh, it is July. Let's see, it's, it's July eighth, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, July eighth through the twelfth. Okay, I believe. so we can get back together between now and then, do some anniversary movies. Yeah, yeah. Well, right. I think we kind of just did one with Jaws. You better believe it. Anniversary, yes. right there. Yep, yep. So yeah, we'll have to see what else we've got for June. Just a just a taste of what's to come, everyone. Just a taste, but yeah, July is uh, is going to be crazy. Indeed, indeed. Well, sir, this weekend, I promise you, it's all going to be this one's for Irish. Nice so man. I look forward to it, and have a great time down there. Yes, sir. Say hello to all of our Rebel Force Radio friends. Yep. Of course, uh, of course. Yeah, they definitely were, sad that I'm not able to go this Well, year. they were putting you over on the last show, the Rebel Force Radio guys. So. Yeah, I heard. They're great guys. Yep, yep. So looking forward to being down there with Jimmy Mack and his family and all of the RFR listeners and maybe a couple yeah. of goal listeners. Who knows? Yeah, I think uh, Trisha Barr is going to be down there yep. and some other folks, some fangirls. Uh, Sarah might be out there, too. So. Yep, so... Looking forward to it, man. Well, Eris, thanks a lot, dude. Always good to have you on. Always good to thanks, talk to Steve. you. Thanks, Steve. Let's Ta- get our boogie on, man. That's right. Take care, brother. We'll talk to you soon. You too. See ya. Bye. That's past the corn. All right, that's past the corn with our good friend Eris Schernevice. And uh, you know what? We don't even know him anymore as Eris Schernevice from Delray Publishing. We just know him as my brother from another mother, Eris Schernevice. One of the greatest things about podcasting, one of the greatest things that podcasting's ever brought to me are friends like Eris and knowing people like him who are just so cool, thinking on the same wavelength, having a good time. When we come back, what a feeling. We're going to be dancing on the ceiling. Taking your emails, talking about all the geek stuff that is geek stuff, and dancing while we do it. Stick around. It's Geek Out Loud.
Imagine owning the world's greatest songs by the greatest voice of our generation. In a once-in-a-lifetime collection, Big Honkin' Music presents the ultimate gloss and collection. 36 beautiful songs. Sung by our favorite artist, Steve Glossin. On two CDs for just $26.99. Glossin Collection is not sold in stores. Coming soon to Kenna, the new Play It Out Loud line of toys. You can be the amazing Big Honkin'. I be glad that. Become your favorite heroes. Mano, mano, mano. Superman, Superman, Superman! Hello, lady. Act out your favorite adventures. Oh, no, the lady, the winner! Kenna's Play It Out Loud. Buck Thompson, Bigfoot, and Edna Playset sewed separately. Now you have the power of the Gulliverse in your hands. Have you ever been walking down the street and you see something really nice and you think to yourself, Hey, where'd they get that? Maybe if you're like me, you might go up to him and say, Hey, little boy, where'd you get that bird? Because I love America and I love eagles, huh? I get excited about that. But maybe you're not that bold. That's why we came up with our new app for the Android and iPhone. Where'd you get that? Just take a picture of the product you're looking for, and it'll tell you where you can get it. Download our new app today, and you'll never have to ask, where'd you get that again? I'm Bo. And I'm Bell. And we want you to check out Flash TV Talk. Flash TV Talk is your source for news, reviews, and spoilers for the upcoming CW show, The Flash. But wait, there's more. Every week we get hyped with discussion and commentary on The Flash and his previous TV incarnations, including Smallville, Justice League Unlimited, Flashpoint Paradox, Young Justice, and more. Accelerate your fandom with us on Flash TV Talk. Search for us on iTunes or find us online at flashtvtalk.podestery.com. That's P-O-D-A-S-T-E-R-Y dot com. Hi, my name is Teresa. And my name is Rebecca. Do you like Supergirl? We do too. And we're super excited to bring you a fan podcast devoted to the upcoming Supergirl TV series on CBS from Greg Berlanti and Ali Adler, starring Melissa Benoist as the Girl of Steel. 
Check in with us every week for news and discussion about the last daughter of Krypton. Supergirl Radio. Your source for all things Supergirl. Hey folks, I'm Jason. And I'm Dan. And we're here to tell you about our podcast, Flicks. Flicks is a podcast that reviews the biggest movies hitting the theaters, such as Captain America, Winter Soldier, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Amazing Spider-Man, Godzilla, Dolphin Tale 2. What? No, why would we review Dolphin Tale 2? The first one had Morgan Freeman in it. Morgan Freeman works with Batman. Anyway... We don't only cover the latest, we also cover the greatest. When there isn't a blockbuster hitting the local theater, we're talking about some of our favorites from the past. Movies like The Goonies. Star Wars, featuring Steve Lawson. Gremlins. Terminator. National Lampoon's Vacation. The Last Airbender. Dude, no one liked The Last Airbender. You did. Stop derailing the promo. (sighs) Now, why should you listen to our show... Out of all the other movie review podcasts out there, because we really do love the movies we talk about. And because every couple of years, Steve Glosson comes on and talks Star Wars. Seriously, dude. Hey, know your audience. Fair enough. Listen to Flick's podcast, because we know Steve. Generation Star Wars is speaking up and sharing its story. I'm Andrew Leyland. I'm David Michelini. I'm Tom Panneries. I'm Steve Glosson. I'm Matt Hunsworth. I'm Scott Gardner. I'm Ryan Shaw. I'm Paul Herman. I'm Jimmy Mack. I'm Ryder Waldron. I'm Justin Bulger. I'm Joseph Tavano. I'm John Jackson Miller. I'm Concetta Parker. I'm Steve Sansweet. And this. And this. And this. Is my Star Wars story. Is my Star Wars story. 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 Monthly at mystarwarsstory.com and available in the iTunes store. Boogeyman here on Gold. We're going to be dancing the night away on this Geek Out Loud Dance Party Edition. This is how we clear the mailbag out and have a good time doing it. Not that the mail's not fun, but you know, it just adds a little bit of a spark to it. So feel free to get down. is talking about a man who like dances right that's like that's what your boogeyman means it doesn't mean like anything this isn't like a double entendre right i'm right 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 just dancing i'm kind of dancing right now got a little groove on 
also, it's not Booger Man. It's I'm your boogeyman. Which means you got a little boogie in it. <laughs> why was the hanky shaking? Because that little boogie in it. Why was the hanky dance? Because that little boogie in it. That's a bad joke. Anyhow. Do what you want. All right. Well, here we go. We got to get into the mailbag, and we need to do that properly. The first email opens up a little bit of a bag of worms. Wait a second. Hold on. We've got to have the music going while we're doing the reading of the emails. Oh, yeah. Maybe I can wrap an email. Quick, someone send me an email that rhymes so I can wrap it to a groovy beat. Break it down. All right. This comes from Andy Lindemann. He says, hey, Steve, I heard you mention Marvel Puzzle Quest on round three, so I thought I'd check it out. I'm not a fan of the Candy Crush style of games, but I'm digging this game. I like the extra elements of the fighting taking place between the heroes and villains, depending on the moves on the board. Yeah, um, and this is, Andy says, sent by Carrier Pigeon. He asked what alliance I'm part of. I'm not sure, but I am part of an alliance on Marvel Puzzle Quest. Uh, it's a fun little game. It is. It is. It does do the Candy Crush style. You know, match up the colors and make a row of three or more. And but when you do, it it takes HP off of your opponent. For those of you in the gaming community who or who are not in the gaming community, HP or hit points or health points. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not immersed enough in the gaming culture. Um, let me see if it will tell me. I'm in the Omega Alliance. I'm in the Omega Alliance because I used to be in the Omega Alliance back in the day on uh, on the Marvel... Oh, what was that game they did uh, that I really got into? Marvel Avengers Alliance. It was happening first on um, Facebook, and then my friend said, oh, they got a whole website now where they're doing it. And then they shut that website down, and, I, and you couldn't transfer your things, and I'd done so good on the website, so I just kind of fell out of it. But Marvel Puzzle Quest... An app for the iPhone, at least probably the Android too. Fun game. They need a few more levels. They, you know, once you kind of beat the levels, and they do like these reward things throughout the throughout the game. <clears throat> but um, you know, but but they need some new story arcs. And I actually told them that in a recent survey they sent out. So uh, Omega Alliance is what it's called, according to what I'm looking at here. Um, I don't know if it's full or not. It's 20 of 20. It's public. I mean, if we want to start an alliance, I don't know how to do that, but I'll try. If there's enough interest in starting a Goaliverse alliance and Marvel Puzzle Quest, we can help each other out, chit-chat, that sort of thing, via the whole texty thing. So that's Andy Lindemann. And just to give you an idea of how full the mailbag is, that's from way back in April, ladies and gentlemen. April. So... Thanks, uh, thanks, Andy. Good to hear from you. Now dance a little bit.
<laughs> the Admiral just sent in a rhyming email. Admiral, here's my promise to you that by the end of the show, I will find a groovy beat and I will try to wrap out what you sent uh, in said email. Because everyone knows it's always fun when Steve laughs. we got to move through the emails here. William Ruick chimes in. He says, hello there. Hello there. Thank you, Steve, for the wonderful Star Wars content you provide on your podcasting empire. I don't have a podcasting empire. It's more of a podcasting village. I thoroughly enjoyed your last Rebel Yell episode. Now, this is from April 27th, guys. The commentary and insight your panel provided during the breakdown of the Season 2 Rebels trailer was highly entertaining. Keep up the great work. I'd like to get your take on something during New Force Awakens trailer. Sorry about that little pop, guys. During the opening scene where we see Ray's speeder cutting across the Star Destroyer, is there a, down X, a downed X-Wing in the foreground? I found it odd there was only one X-Wing in that shot. I feel this may be done purposefully, maybe to give it an emphasis on this X-Wing's participation during the Battle of Jakku. Could this downed X-Wing have played a major role in the downing of the Star Destroyer in the background? Maybe whomever was piloting the X-Wing could have sacrificed himself in a heroic act that would forever be recognized in the annals of Star Wars history. We all know that Dennis Lawson unceremoniously declined to take up the role of Wedge Antilogies. Wedge Ant- Antilogies? Hi, I'm Wedge Antilogies. I was a hero of the Battle of Yavin. Wedge Antilles for the new trilogy. If J.J. Abrams and the Star Wars Story Group would like to resolve Wedge's character arc, I believe it would be a classy nod to briefly mention within The Force Awakens what transpired during the Battle of Jakku, maybe even highlighting Wedge's actions during the battle to forever canonize his legend. This potential backstory could give the fantastic Mount Star, Dor- Star Destroyer cinematic scene even more sorry, even more emotional weight, especially for hardcore Star Wars fans. Information was released recently that the game will delve heavily into the Battle of Jakku. This could be a great opportunity to elaborate on the finalization of the Wedge Antilles story arc. I have not heard anything to collaborate my theories. It's all speculation on my part. I feel that such a beloved and iconic character within the original Star Wars trilogy deserves a proper send-off. I would love to hear your thoughts. Thank you for your time. And that's Will from Florida. Well, Will, I'll give you my, uh, I'll give you my thoughts. I'll give you my thoughts on the old Wedge. But you gotta dance first. Here's the thing, Will, and I don't, I, I, I'm not trying to dismiss your theories or your love of the character of Wedge Antilogies. Why do I keep saying Wedge Antilogies? Oh my Atlanta. Antilles, 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 lace and a pretty face and a ponytail a hanging down. Um, Wedge Antilles. I'm not trying to take away from the character or your love of the character, Will, but I will say this, that the expanded universe during what is now known as the Legends era did a lot to expand on that character and really kind of solidify him in the hearts and minds of Star Wars fans. I learned to love Wedge more than I ever did uh, through reading the EU. Um, But I think if you look at it from a movie standpoint, the absence of Wedge to people who are just fans of the movies isn't going to be something like people are like, well, why isn't Wedge around? Where is Wedge? Why isn't he here? I, I think it's just, I think the idea that there's one X-Wing could be resolved a bazillion different ways. It's a desert planet. There could be sandstorms that ruin the others. The rest of them, a lot of people are scavenging this stuff. So, you know, or maybe 
it's just one X-Wing. If you pan back even further, you'll see just a field of crashed X-Wing fighters. Great theory. I like it, and, and maybe that's what will happen. Maybe, Will, you will be emailing me on December 19th saying, Suck it, Steve. I was totally right. And if you do, then my message then will be the same as it is now. Just have a good time. Have fun tonight. How does one Wang Chung? That's my message. We'll just have fun. And listen, if you're having fun speculating, that's what it's all about. At the end of the day, what we love, what we're geeking out about, should be a good time. We should have fun with it. If you're not having fun, why do you care? And I'm not saying you, Will. I'm saying everyone else. Will, it's a great theory. You put a lot of thought into it. I don't think it's necessarily going to go that way. I don't think we'll ever have Wedge mentioned. Uh, And I don't think it's necessarily classless on the part of... The writers or the story group, not to mention, I think it's just one of those things that happened. You know, why haven't we mentioned Jar Jar Binks? There you go. Uh, let's see where else we got here. Moving on up in the email. Now, that was April 27, as I said. This comes from Michael, old buddy Peacock, from April 29. He says, it's Michael Morris, or rather, buddy Peacock. Is that too confusing? Yes. Anyhow... Glad to hear you were still able to enjoy Celebration from Home. You really seem to have figured out how to get the best at-home experience. Anyhow, I collect the Black Series figures, too. I live in North Georgia, up in Kennesaw. All right. It says, uh, also got to correct you about the Hasbro booth. They did have some sneak peeks. They had an Ahsoka Black Series figure that's coming out soon. Uh, Also, they've been in talks uh, with Riley. And hopefully should be launching the Cloud City Casino podcast on the Star Wars Report Network. And it has been released, ladies and gentlemen. Released as of May 4th, hopefully. It's about collecting video games, tabletop games, under the Star Wars brand. So that's Buddy Peacock. He asked if I want to be a guest. Yes. Sure. Give me a call, buddy. Uh, Get in touch with me. I'll be on the Cloud City. I love the Cloud. I love to talk Star Wars. You know I do. Everyone check out the Cloud City companion let me find it again cloud city casino podcast that's a star wars report network it's starwarsreport.com hosted by our own buddy peacock in the chat it's been going for a while now they did a live show the other night and i couldn't hear anything but that's none of my business everybody have fun tonight yeah All right. So thanks uh, there to Buddy Peacock. Our good friend Gabe Vermont chimes in. Or does he? Wait a minute. No, this is not. We did not all of a sudden jump to June. We got to do these things in order. 
How am I getting out of order? Well, all the way back down. Uh, Brian Beatty chimes in. He says, hey, Steve. I was listening to some of the old Round 3 episodes. Round 3. Episodes you and Derek did, and you guys went on a bit of a rant about the Ron Moore version of Battlestar Galactica, which is fine. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. But I do recall more recently you and the kids, that'd be Riley and Bethany Blanton, talking about the series in a much more positive way. I was curious, what changed your mind? What changed your mind, Brian? Get out of my business. Gosh. I think this is one of those songs where you just kind of bounce, you know, up on your up on the balls of your feet, just kind of bounce and move your head back and forth, almost a peanuts dance, almost a peanuts dance, or you do a montage of cleaning up a theater to this, a la the Muppets, and you got to sing along with it. We built this city on a rock and a Breaking news, everyone. For those of you in the Goliverse that join us in the Mixler chat live on a regular basis, I just received, after three big texts, uh, sending out three texts over the past couple of weeks to our friend Daniel in India, I just received a text from Daniel. I feel so good right now. Anyhow, Brian, I want to get back to your question. Uh, what changed my mind on Battlestar Galactica? I'll tell you what got me to go back and try it again. And I'm trying to find the actual track so I can play it for you because um, it actually uh, is pretty good. A guy named Fat, uh, calls himself Fat Boy Roberts uh, did a series of albums called Geek Remixed. Sometimes I play stuff from... Um, From from those from said albums, anyhow, uh, he did this, and he also released with each album. He released a podcast where he talked about what uh, what his inspirations were to remix certain things in certain ways. And uh, I believe it was this. No, that's not it. That's the Doctor Who track. Daggummit. Um, what he he did one for. Uh, that's not it, guys. Sorry. This is this is a great... That's not it. Um, oh, my gosh. What was the name of that? No, this isn't it either. Um, anyhow, he did one with... Uh, I'm not going to ask you a second time. Nope. I'm sorry. I need to just quit looking and just and and just uh, and do this and, and tell you what it is. Anyhow, he did this one with the with uh, Battlestar Galactica music with their version of. Uh, oh my gosh, why can I not think of stuff right now? 
because I really want to find this thing and figure out which one it is. It's not this one. It's not this one. Nope. Um... Nope, that's Star Wars. He does a lot of Star Wars music. Here, here's the here's the one I like to play on the show. I know the dance is slowing down. I'm sorry. So you're all familiar with that. Anyhow, he did one with the uh, with the version of um, oh my gosh, I can't even think of the name of the song now. Jeez, Louise, uh, all along the Watchtower, and um, that's not it. Sorry. Um, and and in the in in his podcast where he talked about these different songs, uh, he talked about the fact they used all along the Watchtower in. Battlestar Galactica and Bear McCreary, his version of it. And I'm like, they used all along the Watchtower. That is awesome. And so I decided I watched that show just to get to that song, just to get to the use of that song. And in getting to that song, um, I ended up really just digging, you know, find, learning to like the show. Now, it's not something, I don't think it's something that I would revisit necessarily. I mean, I didn't like it that much. Um, you know, I, I dug it. I thought it was great. I thought it was very intense. It very much made... This is it. Found it. Found it, guys. No. Not now. Not ever. Do you hear me? I will use every cannon. Every bomb. Every bullet. Every weapon I have down to my own eye teeth to end you. I swear it! I'm coming for all of you!
so he was explaining that this is just kind of his version of taking and remixing, you know, uh, Bear McCreary stuff. And when he said all on the watch, I'm like, I got to watch this. So I ended up watching Battlestar Galactica. I dug it okay. You know, I, I don't know how happy I was about the ending. It was about as obscure as the ending of Lost. So, uh, but you know what? It was, it ended up being a really well done show. It kind of broke my heart at times and, and made me angry that uh, people were doing certain things. Um, but it is what it is. And, uh, and, and I don't have the disdain for it I once had. One, two, three. Oh, we're going to take it back now. A little Wilson Pickett dance of a land of a thousand dances. Everybody dance. I'm kind of dancing. Oh, hands up, everybody. Need somebody to help me now. Here's the problem. I start dancing. I forget. I got to read emails. We don't have much longer left. Uh, Andy Lindemann chimes in. He says, hey, Steve, again, just about to finish mine and my kids rewatch the Clone Wars series. And just finished the Void slash Droids arc. I'll confess, when I watched those when they first aired, I didn't really care for them. However, something about watching all four back-to-back, I kind of liked it. Wondering if you've watched Clone Wars more than once, and what do you think about those episodes? Well, the episodes he's referring to are the episodes featuring Colonel Mieber Gascon, as voiced by Stephen Stanton, also the voice of Tarkin. A uh, little bitty pickle guy. Looks like a pickle with feet and legs. Feet and legs, feet, arms, legs and arms. And uh, he ends up with these droids. They're doing an infiltration mission in the Empire. They end up on this planet they just call the Void. It seemingly has nothing but uh, Chocobos, Chocobos from the Final Fantasy series uh, on it. And uh, they run into a, to a retired clone trooper. And everyone loved that that guy was in there. And um, so, I, I don't know, man. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's... Uh, you know, I haven't revisited that arc. I've revisited some of the Clone Wars. I want to redo the Clone Wars in the chronological order. Uh, you can find it online. You can find the actual order timeline of the series and, and watch through. And the next time I do a watch through, that's kind of what I want to do it. I, I was kind of thinking of doing that this summer as I had time. So we'll see what happens. We'll see if I if I get around that. If I do, of course, I'll let you know uh, when that takes place. So um, what else have we got here? moving right along but we got to get some we got to get some music going first jeez here we go we'll bring it we'll bring it a little more uh, modern oh uh, yeah little daft punk they've got a geek connection the old tron thing and they're robots for crying out loud playing music i mean that's geeky right geek out loud Swinimer chimes in all the way back from May 8th. He says, Hi, Steve. Hope you're doing well. I was listening to Riley Blanton's Star Wars report on the way into work this morning, and what he said got me thinking. He said offhand that he's not aware of anyone going to Star Wars Celebration 2016 in London. I only got to go to Star Wars Celebration 15 in Anaheim because it synced up nicely with a trade show convention in Vegas. I remember you offhandedly joked last year about holding a Steve Con in Florida, but what if we made it a reality? 
Many of the Goldiverse listeners won't be making the trip to London, but they could easily make a trip to Orlando. What if we start planning out something right now to coincide with Celebration 16 and use a venue in Orlando? If Verizon powers the broadcast from Star Wars Celebration, we could simply hook up some big screens and some PCs and have a mini Star Wars Celebration at SteveCon. And because of the time difference, you could also try breaking the Guinness record for podcasting and having one of your podcasts and your friend's podcasts take place over the duration of the event. Although I'm in Canada, I'd be willing to be part of the planning committee in advance. I could book off vacation time to help out on site at the event. I think this would be a great opportunity for everyone, and it would most certainly be a good excuse to finally meet you in person. Look forward to hearing from you. Uh, keep up all the great work. All the best, John Swinimer. Swinimer, what a great idea. Dude, I don't know. I, 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 on one hand, I'm like, that is a great idea, and I'm tempted to try it. On the other hand, I don't, I don't even know where to begin to plan something like that. So... I don't know. Um, but I tell you what, uh, well, here, let's dance a little bit. Gift keeps on giving. What is this I'm feeling? If you want to leave, I'm with it. For Star Wars weekends, I was going to talk to the Rebel Force Radio guys about maybe like getting a room at the hotel at the Hilton down there on Lake Buena Vista Drive and doing a uh, doing like an hour long show. Um, I've got I've got about an hour's worth of stand up material, you know, stories and that sort of thing that tend to go over pretty well. And, and I thought it'd be really cool, you know, like a three dollar door fee and that sort of thing to cover the cost of the room, record it, get it out there for everybody. And um, and then just and to see what kind of response we got from the Goliverse for something like that, and then that would kind of you know an hour show would be this makes no sense to me uh, now that I'm saying it out loud, but an hour show would kind of be a test of could we get people somewhere else? You know what I'm saying to, as far as doing that. So so whenever the idea is there, I would love to do a con. I know Jekyll Island is doing a con again. They're doing a con down on Jekyll Island in December. Uh, December a hard time for people to travel. Um, but our good friend Scott Rifen has told me I need to get a panel or a table or something down there. So we'll keep you we'll keep you in the loop and see. I, I want to do a few test things where the cost won't be so great, and we can just kind of see what the response would be by folks in a certain area. So we'll see how it goes. Right now, we just need to dance. All right, moving right along in the old mailbag. That was Swinimer way back from May 8th. Scott Murray chimes in to tell us about uh, his podcast, Assembly of Geeks. Now, I'm not listening to Assembly of Geeks, but I'll just say I'm always willing to give someone a free plug. Why not? Assembly of Geeks podcast. Check them out. What else we got here in the old mailbag? Moving along. Uh, Josh Luke, good friend that I met last year at Star Wars Weekends. 
uh, was letting us know about the Muppet Show trailer. We talked about that with our good friend Kay when she was on. Loved having Kay on. Kay needs to come back sometime. We'll work on it. Adrian chimes in. He says, Steve, holy crud, go see Mad Max. Against all odds, it's easily one of the better films I've seen the last few years. And yes, I include the first Avengers in that list. It has action and characters. The movie's created uh, world is fantastic. Also, no exposition. They just drop you in the story and go, go, go. Makes me wish George Miller actually got to make his Justice League Mortal movie in 2007. Check his IMDb. He really hasn't made a bad movie ever, even if some of them aren't everyone's cup of tea. Seems he had a falling out with DC and Warner Brothers, so maybe Disney could persuade him to do a Marvel or Star Wars film. Well, you know, he's 80 years old. Uh, There has been so much. I'm almost... Almost I'm persuaded to go see the Mad Max based on everything that everyone is saying. It just seems... It, it, I mean, the positivity around that movie is just so overwhelmingly positive. So why not? That's what I say. Why not go check it out? And why not dance a little bit? I'll tell you why we don't dance, Steve. It's the end of the song, you moron. Why don't you dance a little bit? Jeez. You make me sick with all your ending songs as we're trying to dance. Why can't you play... Okay, here we go. It's pretty jazzy. Uh-oh. Get your funk on. I can't wait to do my thing, but the school bell won't ring. It's time to make my escape. First I crawl across the hardwood floor, sneaking out the back door, feed my walkman another mixtape. Guys, I'm dancing, I don't wanna dance alone. All right, Gabe chimes in. He says, hey, Steve, I've really enjoyed your podcast for a while, and you've inspired me to get in the game. My show will be called The Gabalicious Podcast, and I hope you will listen to it when it comes out. Really, I just want to get good enough at podcasting to become a guest on your show. Anyways, for the subject, I want to gush a little on the Man of Steel, since it seems like everyone who comes on your show hates it, and frankly, you don't seem to like it at all. If that's not totally fair, I just want to talk about it a little bit. Gabe, that's not totally fair. Maybe I've... Listen, go back and listen to my initial reaction to Man of Steel. Everything that I said about it holds true with the exception of a couple of things. I hate the shaky camera. It's like, go buy a tripod, Zack Snyder. Um, I don't like the way Jonathan Kent dies. Um, If you really explore the theme of them trying to make him scared of himself, then yeah, I love the cast. I love that Lois figures everything out. I love that she's on his side from the get-go. I I like the story. I don't have a problem with him killing Zod. I think it makes perfect sense that he has a reason he doesn't kill, and this is it. 
Uh, the destruction of Metropolis and stuff is what it is. It did not. I did not cringe at it. It does get a little wearisome after watching it on, on repeated viewings. But Superman saved the world. I mean, he made the choice to go stop that world engine because, it, you know, it was destroying the world. The only thing I've said since is that I think it could have been helped. Like they showed in Avengers Age of Ultron, they made sure to show those guys uh, going around saving civilians. And I think that was a direct result to Superman not saving any civilians uh, directly. You know, just personally getting his hands in there and saving them. Um, and I think that was a, was a direct response to that concept and that idea. A little overkill. I mean, you know, everything was about it. But it, but see, in helping the people, it added to the uh, intensity of the scene of the city rising up and going to be smashed to the earth again because not only were they saving the entire world they were working to save uh, individual people at the same time and that's what I feel like those and, and the criticisms don't come from me I'm just saying there that's one way they could have silenced the criticisms that came about as far as the destruction of Metropolis and Smallville and that sort of thing now Moving on, Gabe says, First, I want to say that fanboys getting so angry about killing Superman killing Zod does, do not have a legitimate claim. This statement needs a little context so you know where I'm coming from. I go to a Catholic college where I'm getting a degree in business. Part of the reason I'm doing a podcast is to understand digital marketing for an internship I'm doing. I'm in contact with some with a Dominican sisters who have a mother house here in Nashville. One of them is a big geek who really loves Marvel and loved Man of Steel. The sisters had a movie night, a very rare event in the Mother House, and my teacher asked to borrow my Man of Steel DVD. It was screened at the Mother House, and the sisters and I, and the sisters I talked to really enjoyed the movie, and not one of them had a moral problem with Superman's killing of Zod. The reason for this is that the act is justified in every sense of the word. No matter which moral philosophy you adhere to, whether it's deontology, Catholicism, or utilitarianism, the act was completely justified. The entire Mother House of Sisters had no problem with it. If a huge group of sisters who dedicate their lives to helping others are okay with it, I feel like we in the geek community should be okay with it as well, especially as an origin for Superman's rule of no killing. I think the key is not whether very moral people have a problem with it morally. I think the problem people had is, for years and years, we've been told Superman doesn't kill. It's not the morality of the killing. It's the, it's the character doing it, Gabe. Now, I agree with you. As an origin for Superman's rule of no killing, great reason. Great reason. I feel like this movie gets unfairly chastised as a dark and gritty movie, but it's not not dark. It's simply a movie that takes Superman seriously. It takes the mythology seriously, and it's something that differentiates itself from Marvel in a good way. The comic book movie won't survive if every movie is like Guardians of the Galaxy, an awesome movie. Now, here's the thing. When you start talking, when you start, let's dance. When you start bringing in movies like Guardians of the Galaxy or The Avengers, and you do it in the context of saying that Man of Steel took Superman seriously, 
you make it sound like they didn't take Avengers or um, or Guardians of the Galaxy or Iron Man or any of those things seriously. And I feel like they did. The difference is, is there was just a lot of levity in those movies. Those movies weren't campy. They weren't send-ups of superhero movies. They were movies that took the superheroes very seriously. Watch the Hulk, man. Watch the Incredible Hulk. Not Ang Lee's Hulk, but the Incredible Hulk starring Edward Norton. Took the Hulk very seriously, but there were good moments of levity. There were moments that let you in to the characters to, to make them more relatable, to make you feel like you were more on their side, that sort of thing. And they did this a little bit with Man of Steel. You know, I feel like some of the lines written for Lois were a little too much. Um, uh, Superman's mom, Diane Lane, was wonderful. You know, just the look, nice suit, son, that whole deal was great. Um, you know, because it was funny. It was it was a funny, you know, it was a cute moment. It, it kind of lets you in. She was saying what the rest of the audience was saying. And... Um, you know, and, and so all, what I, I guess what I'm saying is is I feel like that that when you say it's no Guardians of the Galaxy, you're saying that we didn't take Guardians seriously. You had a villain bathing in a man's blood in that movie. He was truly bathing in the blood of his own enemies. That's when we meet Ronan for the first time. Um, you have Thanos, who's all about taking. You know, I, I mean, you know, the thing is, is like if you want to get into it, we'll get into that, but. But I feel like you you got to be careful about pointing the finger at other movies. You know, Captain America Winter Soldier. They took Captain America and that whole storyline very seriously. Anyhow, in Man of Steel, there are real stakes. Bad things can happen and there are consequences, all of which seem to be addressed in the Batman v Superman trailer. I disagree with you that Snyder is trying to be smarter than the source material. I think he wants to do something new. That's the definition of being smarter than the source material. I'm Look... Iron Man, they did something new with. I'm not. I'm sorry. I take it back. It's not the definition of being smarter than the source material. They did something new with Iron Man. Iron, the, the fact that Iron Man is a household name right now is huge. Ten years ago, if you asked someone who is Iron Man, very few people would have known. It's not like it is today, and, and how short our memories are. Um, you know, the the idea though with Superman, when you get to like a Superman and a Batman situation. Marvel always had heroes. DC always had legends. And there's a reason they're legendary. And it's okay to do movies where you make these characters legendary. That's my only point. I'm not against Man of Steel. I'm against the lack of a use of a tripod. When I saw Man of Steel, there were all sorts of things I'd never seen before. There were plenty of nods of the comics. Also, I feel like it's a little insulting to Snyder and Goyer to say they're trying to outsmart the material. David, hey, Goyer is. I'm sorry. I, I mean, that's just my opinion. These are people who are steeped in the mythology and read all sorts of Superman comics and gotten quite an understanding of the character. The problem is that it's di- is that it's different from Richard Donner's understanding of the char- uh, mythology. Wait, I'm sorry. The problem is that it's different from what Richard Donner's understanding of the character is, and because it's different, people in the geek community couldn't get past their own bias and judge Man of Steel for what it is. See, I disagree. People uh, kind of turned on Superman Returns. But it was steeped in Donner mythology. See, I think the answer is somewhere between those things. Honestly, it comes down to camera work for me. Watch Superman Returns. It's a beautifully shot movie. There's grace in what goes on in Superman's movements and his flight and everything. Here, he's just... I mean, when you when you destroy things, when you take off and land... Come on, get, a, get that under control. Zod did it pretty immediately. You know, get it under control, Supes. Um, <laughs> I'm being... There, let's just dance. Wait, no, the song's over. Let's not dance to that song. 
You're getting me on my. You're getting me on here. And, and see, and now you're making a very wide swath. Of that's that's people's problem. I was ready to let Donner's stuff go. Understand that. Of course, I'll never let it go. I always love it. Here, let's just do a little dance real quick. I feel like you're painting with a very wide brush is all I'm saying, Gabe. That my problems did not come down to a Richard Donner. Here's what Richard Donner got. Richard Donner said there's got to be verisimilitude in what we do. There's got to be truth in this art. And so what they try to do is set Superman in a world where he really was all about truth and justice. And this Superman is too. Listen, Henry Cavill's Superman, fan-freaking-tastic. I love him as Superman. I loved Amy Adams as Lois. I loved everything about that movie except the camera work and a few story points. And the fact that people couldn't just duck out of the way of Zod's little laser beams. Like, just eat. Superman had his head. Anyhow. And that was a joke, Gabe. Don't jump down my throat for that. Superman belongs to everyone, and like so many creators done before them, Snyder and Goyer have created something new, and that's what makes it a great comic book movie, in my opinion. I think that it's going to go down as a great comic book movie. I, I really do. I mean, look. I've been sent the numbers. I've been hoisted on my own petard about this movie. I'm not opposed to Man of Steel. I don't think it's a horrible movie. I think it's horrible camera work, horrible cinematography. And I'll stand by that. Secondly, as far as Goyer goes, here's my thing with Goyer. He's the guy who made fun of Martian Manhunter. He said some hateful things about She-Hulk. And he made kind of fun of the fan base. And he did that in tongue-in-cheek, I know. Low-hanging fruit with those jokes. Not smart. Not smart. Because it just shows... Look, I'm one of these people, let's not get all up in arms about stuff that doesn't matter. These are fictional characters, this is a fictional universe, but at the same time, have respect for the people that it matters to. And I I feel like that that Goyer did not do that in that one interview that he did. And I know it's just one time, it's a one-off thing, but I feel like they're better than Goyer out there. And from what I understand, now this is all hearsay because I don't know how things work in Hollywood, but from what I understand, they're almost writing these movies by committee and I don't mean a story group I mean by committee and that's not good um, I feel like um, I, I just feel like that they're, they're that still at Warner Brothers they still don't quite get the superhero wow that got quiet real quick I, I feel like they still don't quite get you know what makes a really good superhero movie um Obviously, everyone's not going to love everything. People, everyone didn't like, um, didn't like, uh, what is the, my land, what is the, uh, what's the one I'm trying to think of? Um, everyone didn't like, uh, Iron Man 2, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, To me, I think you look at Avengers, and and, in, in the first Avengers movie, you have what is almost a perfect superhero film. This was requested in the chat. So anyhow, Gabe, look, great, great points, I think. I, I I don't, I've never thought Man of Steel is dark and gritty. I just feel like that you're trying to bring realism. Too much realism is too much. 
So that's that's all I'm saying about that. But Gabe, you make great points. William Malay chimes in. He says, hey, Steve, I hope all is well with you. First off, fantastic show with you and Arish regarding the Empire and Revenge of the Sith anniversaries. You both have a great chemistry and counterbalancing points. It was an absolute pleasure to listen to. I really dug your walk down memory lane. For me, I spoiled the heck out of Revenge of the Sith and lead up to the film. So while I was still excited, it was a bit. I was a bit sad to see it come and go. I think I saw it five times in the theater, with one of those viewings being the midnight opening. I bought all the first few waves of figures and vehicles, soundtrack, novel, and making of books that I could get my hands on. I do often dig out the bonus CD that came with the soundtrack called A Musical Journey. Really nice memento. Have not read the novelization, but it's on my to-do list. You gotta read that novelization, man. It's so good. So, so good. Um, you made me think of something while I was uh, reading reading that part of the email. I never even talked about the Midnight Madness for Revenge of the Sith and what that experience was like in Baxley, Georgia. Easiest toy shopping I've ever done. It was me and two other people, and they were both there because I was there. So I had my full run of the, the toys that were there at midnight that night. Great time. Great time. Um, so anyhow, um, Will, Will goes on to say, uh, when I look back at that time in my life, what stands out most is Night of the Midnight Showing. You see, oh, wait a minute. We got to pull down the dance music for this, guys. We got to pull up something else. I don't know what to pull up, but um, but this is, we're about to get real, guys. We're about to get real here. So, um, oh, here we go. Or scream you out from behind the bitter All right. You thought it was going to be kind of a lovey-dovey, but it's not. Listen, he says, uh, he says, what stands out most is the night of midnight showing. I'd been seeing this girl off and on for a few months prior, and it started off on rocky ground. I was never quite sure about the relationship, so in the week leading up to the midnight showing, we were on the outs. However, literally minutes before I was to go to the midnight showing, she called me. And well, there was some drama. Not at all what I wanted as this was a very special night for me. One that doesn't come around that often. It's good he wasn't angry. She was well aware of my love for the wars and how important it was, but she might but I felt she might have been a bit jealous of the event that I was going to with my friends, and I hadn't really invited her as she had never watched any of the saga. Plus, midnight showing tickets have been sold out for about a month. Anyhow, after some heated moments on the phone call, I finally had to go and told her I'd call her the next day. It initially rained on my parade, but I got over it once I saw those Jedi Starfighters waterfall over the bow of the Republic cruiser into the Battle of Coruscant. So what I learned that night was that if she had given a darn about me, she wouldn't have tried to ruin my night. Life lesson learned. If someone tries to ruin something special for you, then they're not the one for you. Cheers, your friend in the force, Will, from St. John's, Newfoundland. Oh, one big franchise that I don't think you mentioned with the anniversary this year is also Divisible by Five, is Nolan's Batman Begins, celebrating its 10-year anniversary this June. What are your thoughts on that film? I'm sure we'll talk about it in our look back at June anniversaries coming up soon and past the corn, Will. I have some Star Wars slash girl stories as well, or at least one. 
Um, but we need to get back to some good dancing. Uh, I don't know. Will this be good dance music? Who knows? We'll, we're, I'm about to find out, guys. Right now, I'm I'm now producing on the fly. A little bit of rock and roll. A little bit of yeah. Here we go. Uh oh. Oh, a little bit of swing. Yeah. Okay. My voice cracked a little bit. So uh, I've told the story before of ruining a potential relationship because of watching Star Wars and not paying attention to the girl I was with. Uh, Redbeard. <laughs> GW1 Ken in the chat. Ken Rose. Uh, found on Amazon, uh, I believe, yes, the old poster I used to have hanging on my wall. I talked with Scott about in our call-in episode. Uh, the Falcon flying away from a Death Star, pursued by TIE Fighters. X-Wings are all around it, flying in. The only thing it's missing is up where, in the corner of this particular poster, where there's like a little lens flare, it had written in red letters, Star Wars. So, uh, but yeah, that is a poster I had on my door for many years, Ken. Thanks, thanks for that walk down memory lane. Really appreciate that. Rod Stewart, ladies and gentlemen, wasn't as good as I was hoping it would be, if I can just be honest. Rod just let me down, but it's my fault. I should have known better. So we're going to uh, we're going to pull him down, and we're going to pull this up. Uh oh, I'm going to give you a minute to break it down, everybody. Break it down, break it down now. All right. Our good friend Matthew Marks chimes in. He says, hey, Steve, I enjoyed both of your Empire and Sith celebration episodes. You discussed with Jess what it meant that Luke's face was in Vader's helmet in the Dagobah cave scene. It made me think back to what I thought of that scene when I was a kid. I remember when I was a kid watching those movies. I don't exactly remember the first time I saw those movies uh, because those movies were just always on at my house. I was growing up in the 90s. We had movies on VHS that my dad taped from when they aired on TV. This was before that black box VHS set with Darth Vader on the cover. 
Anyway, my first thought about that cave scene was just that it meant Darth Vader was Luke's dad, which really doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but that's what I thought. Well, I mean, it could be a prophetic vision. You know, you see the future, the past, old friends long gone. Yeah, see, with the Force, you can see into the future, so it very well could have been a prophetic vision, Matthew. I think that's a fine interpretation of that as a child. Then later, I interpreted it differently. It meant that Luke could end up becoming Darth Vader, i.e. falling to the dark side. The way I see it now is slightly more nuanced. Luke thinks his greatest enemy or his greatest danger is being physically harmed or killed by Vader. But the real danger is if he loses his soul, if he personally goes to the dark side. So the real enemy is Luke, Luke's fear and anger and his quickness to fight, like how he took his weapons with him even though Yoda warned him not to. Dance on that. Oh yeah. I'm sorry, has anyone seen the groove? Oh, it's in the heart. I think that's a great point Matthew Marks makes. Oh, that song's not over. He says, I could go on and on about Star Wars, but if I did, you'd still be reading my email when The Force Awakens comes out, so I'll sign out. But wait, there's more. Matthew Marks emails in just a little bit later. He says, okay, I emailed you earlier today, but I had to send another email because of this little thing called The Martian Trailer. I know I shouldn't judge a movie based on the trailer, but it really looks like they're going to do this right. I was a little hesitant back when I heard they'd cast Matt Damon as Mark Watney. But part of that was because I usually don't think of Jason Bourne when I... I usually think of Jason Bourne, rather, when I think of Matt Damon. And Damon is capable of much deeper and interesting uh, inter acting than what we saw in the Bourne movies. I wasn't really a fan of the Bourne character, but that is a comment about how I felt the character of Jason Bourne was written, not about Damon's acting ability. Anyway, what I see of him in the trailer is very encouraging. I'm going to have to science the crap out of this. I can see his humor and his sarcastic attitude. Now I can already imagine the complaints people have about this movie... They are going along the lines of, but in the book, blah, blah, blah. What people have to remember is this movie will be an adaptation of the story told in the novel, not a translation of a novel into a movie. Andy Weir's novel takes the story of a man trapped on Mars and represents it in book form as primarily a series of Mark Watney's Mission Logs diaries entries. Diary logs slash diary entries. If someone is going to adapt this story to film, they'll have to represent it differently. One thing I predicted was that they would use kind of video diary instead of just text. That's an obvious choice, and looks like they'll be using that. And they'll be showing Mark's reactions in real time instead of just hearing him describe them after the fact. Another change, it looks like Mark's communication with NASA will not necessarily be limited by text only. So basically, they'll be Skyping, even though it is explained in the book that it's impossible to send that much data back and forth using the available equipment on Mars. That's okay. It'll make for better visual storytelling. And the trailer has a lot of intense music and action sequence, but that's how trailers are made today. Well, there was some intense action stuff happening in... Um, in the uh, uh oh, sticking in the 90s with our track selection, that guys I don't know what that's about. Uh, they had there was some there were some moments, man, that I think would work great. Um, a lot of it, a lot, a lot. He said that's uh, to make it look more exciting in the trailer because a lot of shots expressing how isolated Mark is on Mars, while great for character development, won't make for a very compelling trailer. And the trailer's primary purpose is to get butts in seats. 
For comparison, we can look at the Gravity trailer. Very action-heavy and visually stimulating and compare it to the movie. So by reading into the trailer a bit, you can get an idea of what I think the movie will actually be, not just what the marketing department thinks people want to see. Again, I could be totally wrong. All I've seen is one trailer. Part of this could just be wishful thinking because I want this movie to be great. But I really think it's going to be faithful adaptation. And even if it isn't, I can always go back and reread the book. And book. Book. The book. That's from Matthew Marks. Matthew, I agree with your analysis. I've watched the trailer uh, with Matt Damon. I think it's great. Uh, I think what would be smart is if they're doing the video diary and as he's recounting the events in that they just show it while he's kind of narrating it, almost Morgan Freeman style. <clears throat> I have to figure out how to get potatoes to grow on Mars where nothing else grows. Alright, just a couple more to go. Christopher Titchell chimes in. He says, Greetings, Steve and the Mixer Zoo crew. Lately, I've been getting annoyed at friends on Facebook and in person that always need to end, in sta- end a statement with, quote, because I'm such a geek, unquote. Here's an example Facebook post. Watching the Avengers for the 50th time, you know, because I'm such a geek. I'm glad they cleared that up there. I was thinking any person would want to watch a movie that well. Uh... I was thinking any person would want to watch a movie that did well at the box office was critically well-received and well-acted. I guess the only reason anyone would watch Avengers is because they're a geek. I think it's the 50th time that, that makes that... Other examples about how they're wearing a Ghostbuster t-shirt just because they're such geeks. What are your thoughts on this subject? P.S. Steve, if you need to go hashtag Hail Steve on this subject, please do. Well, here's the thing. I, I think there's a lot of... Um, I think there's a lot to be said for how far the geek culture has come. Even since I started Geek Out Loud. I'm not saying that I ushered in an era of geekdom universal geekdom for the whole world. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying it just so happens that just before I started Geek Out Loud, um, uh uh-oh, Heavy D and the Boys, um, uh, the, the, the geek culture has become much more widely accepted than it was some eight years ago. And I think the idea is because of the success of superhero movies and that sort of thing, everyone's kind of embracing their inner geek even more. And suddenly it's a cool thing to be a geek. Whereas, Christopher, when people like you and I were growing up, you know, you didn't have to keep it hidden, but it definitely wasn't something you wanted to advertise real big. Like, you couldn't sit around with your friends. I couldn't. Let me not say you. I couldn't sit around. I didn't have friends I could sit around with and just talk about the, you know, the comics I was reading. I didn't have friends that wanted to go to my house and watch Star Wars. I didn't I didn't find people like that until I got to college, to be quite honest with you. 
And um, and then once I got out of college and moved away, moved back down, especially where I'm at in, in southeast Georgia, where everything's hunting and fishing and, and, and that sort of thing, um, I felt very isolated in my geekdom and the things I was passionate about. And um, what people are discovering, though, is, is that the stuff we loved was always worth loving. And, and so I don't, I mean, I don't know. It's not something that bothers me. Let people say they're a geek if they want to. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. I mean, the question is now that we got love, what are we going to do? All right, I need to give a big shout-out to David, Kevin, and Caleb. They're down in Florida right now. These guys sent in some great tips for Star Wars weekends because they know I'm headed that way. They were at Star Wars weekends, too. Um, and uh, they watched the Stars of the Saga show with Silas Carson and Warwick Davis. And uh, they might have gone back down for three. I don't know if they ever actually went down for uh, Star Wars Weekends 3. But uh, here's what... Uh, here are the tips they give us. The Star Wars Weekend Store has three parts. Watto's Grotto usually has the longest line, but that's where a lot of the toys are. X-Wing Collectible Stores has some of the coolest stuff in a much shorter line. Make sure you go to the Ultimate Guide to Star Wars Rebels. It's a 22-minute recap of Season 1, and it's air-conditioned. I'll be there. They were letting me know the stage shows a move from last year. Oh, check out One Man's Dream. It's about Walt Disney's life. You can stay as long or as short as you like. And it's air-conditioned. That's important. And they give some hints about the parade. Their dad, Jim, chimes in. He says, here's a bit of trivia for you. Years ago, I was waiting to ride Star Tours, and they saw Jim Henson and his family getting off the ride. There's a Star Wars Muppet connection for you. It's one of the coolest things that ever happened to them. At Walt Disney World, I was standing about three feet away from Jim Henson. That's amazing. Someone I would have loved to have gotten to meet. Never did. But I tell you what, man. David, Kevin, and Caleb. Hope to get you. Hope to get to meet you guys in a few days, weeks. Weeks? No, just a few days. And hang out. Thank you guys for the tips. All right. Now then, as promised, the Admiral sent in a rhyming email on the fly. So I got. I, I tried to find a beat. I have no idea what this beat is, but we'll find out. Uh-oh. 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 Check it. Hmm. Yeah. The Admiral sent in an email that rhymes. And she wants me to wrap it up. I like geek out loud. It's nice being part of the crowd. It's fun in the chat. It's where the fun is at. I got promoted to Admiral by a man named Daniel. So now I rule the Google C's in order to help Steve. How was that, Admiral? I did it. I did it. Now I kind of want to freestyle a little bit too. Freestyling. 
freestyling about the Geek Out Loud. I can't do it. This is going out to the masses. How can I freestyle about Geek Out Loud uh, to the masses, guys? That just seems like uh, scary to me, all right? Because uh, I start stuttering. That's more of a big honking show thing. So if you want to check out the big honking show sometime, I'm sure I will do some freestyling. And yes, the big honking show is still around. And to answer everyone else's questions, I saw a question tonight in the chat as we're kind of winding things down. Uh, someone asked, has round three suffered from pod fade the way uh, that Starkville Labs has? Uh, guys, Starkville Labs hasn't necessarily suffered from pod fade. We will be back. Uh, there's just been a lot going on uh, for both Derek and I. It's hard to make schedules line up when you're not in the same town. Uh, you know, it's a different animal than what Starkville House of L was so many years ago. I'm working basically three jobs right now. I count podcasting as a job. Um, and uh, and Derek is working a, a big full-time job plus raising a family. So it's um you know you know it's it's not it's not it's not as easy as a as a college guy and a single guy with one job just trying to get together. Uh, also, I can't stay up as late as I used to. I'm just I'm getting old, gang. Uh, round three, I'm actually sitting on some stuff that need to get edited and hopefully will tonight. It's going to be a long night for old Steve if I get everything out the way. Uh, I need to get everything out um, so that we can get to you guys' uh, content from round three. We've got Tad Winners on goal. We've got this goal that will have to go out uh, live. Uh, before we wrap up, I want to remind you of our sponsor, audible.com. Uh, you can check out audibletrial.com slash geekout. There you can get a free 30-day trial and an audio book from Audible just by going to audibletrial.com slash geekout. Over 150,000 titles to choose from in every genre. Now, our book for this month that we're going to be talking about on the next episode of Goal with, uh, with Rod in the Golaverse Reads book club is going to be Heir to the Jedi. After that, for July, when we're when we're into July, we'll be talking Ready Player One. If you have not gotten Ready Player One, uh, let me suggest to you um, get it. It is definitely worth your time, especially if you're a fan of the '80s. Definitely worth your time to uh, to snag it and uh, and and see what's going on now. Um, Get a free trial. Get a free book. AudibleTrial.com slash geek out. AudibleTrial.com slash geek out. 30 days free. Keep the free book. Uh, you can get it on just practically any platform that you listen to audio content on. iPhone, iPad, on your computer, uh, Android, uh, any MP, practically any MP3 device. So AudibleTrial.com slash geek out is where you can go uh, to get your free trial. Um, I feel like we're not quite through. I feel like there's a couple of things we need to touch on before we get out of here. So, uh, does that mean we crank the music back up? You know what? Let's rock. Let's just, let's, let's just rock out for a minute. How about that? If we're gonna, I like to throw in a little rock into everything that I do. So, let's do it.
yeah. Here we go. Just a couple of quick things. Number one, they have released an official synopsis for Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. It reads as the following. Fearing the actions of a godlike superhero left unchecked, Gotham City's own formidable, forceful vigilante takes on Metropolis's most revered modern-day savior, while the world wrestles with what sort of hero it really needs. And with Batman and Superman at war with one another, a new threat quickly arises, putting mankind in greater danger than it's ever known before. Let me tell you something. That sounds like something I can get by. CBS's Supergirl has an official release date. October 26th is uh, the release. It's going to be um, aired on October 20, I believe October 26th at a special time, 830 uh, to 9.30. And uh, then the following week, we'll back up to 8 o'clock. Supergirl will be on Monday nights at 8 o'clock, but 8.30 starting October 26th. So make sure, uh, let me tell you something, guys. The trailer did leak online. I don't know how it leaked online or what. I'll go ahead and say on this podcast, I have seen the first episode. I've seen the pilot of Supergirl. And um, if you don't like this show, you've got the problem. It, the, from the pilot, it looks like it's going to be fun. It's going to be, it's got, um, uh, it's got a mythology to it. They they go ahead and build in a mythology right out of the gate. It could be like a villain of the week kind of thing to start out with, but they could go a bazillion places from there. So um, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you're going to want to check out uh, Supergirl. Um, people who say they disliked the trailer didn't like kind of the the Devil Wears Prada aspect of it for the most part. The one, the criticisms I've seen, but I'm telling you that I mean that's just part of her life, you know, the where she works and what goes on. It works. I'm telling you, everything works, and uh, it's going to be really good. It's going to because the Supergirl stuff is good. So I think you'll enjoy it. It's definitely. Support it, you know. Support it. it it's definitely going to be worth it. Uh, there has been, um, uh, I don't know how to. I don't want to. I don't want to jinx anything, but the word "shoe" has been uttered. Also, one final thing. 
two final things. Number one, I should have gone back and listened to the original Dance Party episode before I listened to this one. Uh, I, I don't know what I did to get the feel of it back then. So I'm sorry if it hadn't quite had the Dance Party feel this time around. Uh, in fact, I feel like I may edit everything out except mine and Eris's part. Anyhow, uh, I caught it a couple of weeks ago when, when I'd finally watched all the Daredevil series on Netflix. I said th- th- this show lends itself greatly to uh, guest characters such as Moon Knight, such as Punisher, all these street-level characters. And I was really big on Punisher coming into this. Uh, I was hoping for a Thomas Jane situation, but apparently not. Uh, Punisher has been cast in Daredevil Season 2. It's uh, John Bernthal, who played Shane on The Walking Dead. And uh, he's got a great look, y'all. He's got uh, the right build and everything, uh, depending on how they do the Punisher outfit. You know, obviously the Punisher's not going to be walking around in disco boots or pirate boots and that sort of thing. So, um, so there you go. Um, I... I do like the idea that it, apparently next season, you know, I've heard rumors that they may be going a little more superhero-y, you know, bringing in some Bullseye, bringing in some Electrica, Electrica, Electra, the Punisher works, so, you know, do it up, man. I, I think it's good casting. I trust them. Uh, after what they did with, uh, after all that they did with, with the first season of Daredevil, shoot. Why not? Right now, though, we're looking ahead to Jessica Jones coming to Netflix this fall. And then, of course, we've got to get through Iron Fist and Luke Cage. Um, I say we got to get through. I think there'll be good stuff, man. I think that Marvel TV is proving themselves. So, All night long. I believe that wraps it up for us, gang. I want to thank you all for joining us for what feels like all night long. Uh, you can email us at geekoutonline at gmail.com. The mailbag is clear. Uh, anything that we that, that had been emailed to me that we could cover that I feel like I have something to say, um, uh, say anything about was, was mentioned and brought up. And so I think everyone who emails in with kind words and stuff, I'm very hesitant to read uh, you know there some of you guys just email in with compliments and that sort of thing and i greatly appreciate it but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna read that stuff out loud that's too based on what i'm about to do it's way too self-gratifying i mean come on if i'm about what i'm about to do is is christian called the other night is peacock uh so just get ready anyhow uh moving on <clears throat> email us geekoutonline at gmail.com 
Facebook.com slash geekoutloud. Of course, Twitter, at Steve Glosson, at Darth underscore Duff for Eric Schoenerweiss, at Goloverse for the entire Goloverse. Follow at Goloverse on Twitter. And thank you guys so much for following on Twitter and subscribing on iTunes. If you subscribe on iTunes, please leave us a review. It helps people know about the show. Uh, the next year is going to be about growth for the Goloverse, hopefully. We hope to see growth happen uh, so that maybe by next summer you'll hear me saying, hey, guys, I'm going to be doing a you know one-hour comedy show here or there, some such. Uh, you know that That's kind of the goal to grow. And, so, and you help us do that when you leave reviews at iTunes. Thank you especially for using those Amazon links at Amazon at uh, geekoutpodcast.com and uh, geekoutonline.com. Helps the shows out. And thank you, seriously, thank you so much to everyone who supports the shows directly at patreon.com slash geekoutloud. We're headed to Star Wars weekends, guys. We'll have a full report next week when we come back. Until then, thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next time on Geek Out Loud. Oh, I'm going to leave you guys with a little bit of a parody song that hopefully you'll be hearing on Rebel Force Radio. But if you don't, that's fine. It's a it's a parody of Nickelback's Rockstar called uh, It's All About Seeing the New Star Wars. Standing in line since I don't know when So I can buy the first ticket, be the first one in I hope it all turns out just the way I want it to be Tell me what you want I want lightsaber fights and some X-wing ships To learn the big secret of Kylo Ren And a king-sized tub of popcorn for ten plus me So what you need? I need a Job that won't mind if I miss it in a nice big tent with a bathroom in it. Gonna join the RFR team when they finally hear about me. I want a fresh new story with our old stars. I kind of hope they don't build a third dance star. But if they have a two-back or two, it's just fine with me. That doesn't seem to miss I'm getting so hyped up, I'll probably go insane. I really wish they'd tell me Ray's last name. Cause if we all just want to see the new Star Wars and find new hand solo figures when they're at the store. To learn more about the droid BB-8. I can't wait to be there when the force awakes. And we'll hang out at the midnight show. It will be in the winter, so I hope it don't snow. Those big yellow words will be sweeping the nation. You know you all cried back in celebration. Well, hey, hey, I want to see new Star Wars. Hey, hey, I want to see new Star Wars. Ah. 
We got Supreme Leader Snoke along with Captain Phasma. I bet someone new is now flying the Falcon. I wonder what Java would say if he were here with me. That Poe Dameron is gonna bring me action I think Finn may defect from the Imperial faction I can't wait to hear my favorite astrodroid whistle and beep R2, where are you? I'm getting so hopped up I'll probably go insane I really wish they'd tell me Ray's last name Cause we all just wanna see the new Star Wars And my new hand solo figures when they're at the store to learn more about the droid BB-8 I can't wait to be there when the boss awakes And we'll hang out at the midnight show It will be in the winter so I hope it don't snow Those big yellow words will be sweeping the nation You know you won't cry back at celebration And we'll look out for the podcast scoops With the latest bit of news just to tell us who's who We'll hear the reactions from a guy named Kyle As he demands vintage cards up and down the toy aisle Hey, hey, we wanna see new Star Wars I'm gonna learn about the Force and how to sense it Fill a backpack up with Star Wars Pez dispenser I'll buy all the novels no matter how long And learn all the lines so I don't get them wrong Cause we all just to want to see the new Star Wars and find new hand solo figures when they're at the store to learn more about the droid BB-8. I can't wait to be there when the Force awakes and we'll hang out at the midnight show. It will be in the winter so I hope it don't snow. Those big yellow words will be sweeping the nation. You know you all cried back at celebration. Well, we'll Look out for the podcast scoops With the latest bit of news Just to tell us who's who We'll hear the reactions from a guy named Kyle As he demands vintage cards up and down the toy aisle And hey, hey, I want to see new Star Wars Hey, hey, I want to see new Star Wars Yeah